And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 625, wrapping up the AL East. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, a very good team year in and year out. Just depends on how far they get in that run, but always making a run each and every year. To help break down the fantasy side of things is one of the bigger Rays fans we know. You can find him over at rotowire.com with his collect calls. You can find him on Sunday's editions of Sleeper and the Bust with this Justin Mason clown and much, much more. Mr. Jason Collette, how are we doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. For those of you guys who can see video, I'm wearing the big old Tampa yeah. Bay sweatshirt. And I got the sunburst lid on. It's so good. I'm ready for the season, even though it's probably not going to be as good as last year on paper and what the results were. I'm ready for the season. Uh, I think I saw today we have 49 days until spring training. Yep. It's close. Awesome. It's, Thanks it's for having all, me on. Man. Always. It's always great talking to you. I was telling someone, I said I did the Yankees. I did, had Ben Tid on for the Yankees, and I've been trying to get him out to FPAS. I'm like, yeah, I have Colette on tomorrow. One of the nicest human beings. You'll love it. You'll meet him there, and then you, you're like buddies for life type thing. It's just, it's just FPAS is good. I went down FPAS memory lane. I'm like, so it's, it's a blast. Yeah, we're um, less than 60 days from first pitch Florida. Yes. I know it's not the same as first pitch Arizona, but it's like I have to go defend that AL labor crown that I finally won. Yeah, uh, I, so I'm looking forward to that one. So I get yeah. to actually throw out the first nomination. It's That'll been a be long good. time coming, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was good because you also had a good year in the XFL, I believe. Something I did finish did pretty well. So, um, yeah, I was bummed. I, got, I missed the draft this year because we were golfing, but I got to watch you do your inaugural draft last year. That was a blast to see how that all went down. So, yeah, if you guys can do any of the first pitches, highly recommend it. I know it's not on everybody's rate, like abil- abilities, but uh, if you can make it happen, it's it's a fun fun time. Yeah, hey, I'm flying Spirit Airlines down one way and then driving home with with my one of my local buddies. Rob is listening to this nice. podcast, but yeah, I'm flying down one way on Spirit because it was thirty eight dollars, yeah. and because uh, I've got three trips to make, I've got to go to First Pitch, Florida, and then I've got two trips to New York, yeah. one for Tout, uh, and then I auctioneer. Yeah. Uh, another league, uh, the Moneyball League, for the Moneyball folks that listen. I auctioneer their league, so I'll be back. I've got three trips in Florida. Yeah, so you're, 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 <laughs> your Moneyball thing, we, we talked about that it was last year. That's just a trip, the whole thing you get to do there. So I'm looking forward to hearing where you guys go for fun on that trip this time. Yeah, around. last year we did Yankee Stadium on opening day, uh, <laughs> and insane. as much as I hate the Yankees, that was still a blast. It was fun. Yeah. It was cold, but it was still fun. Amazing seats. I mean, I'm, I'm the row behind Mariano Rivera, and it's just like – how much better does that get? And they're awesome people. Everybody in the league, Rick, Jeff, Smitty. I mean, they're awesome dudes uh, and gals uh, because we do have uh, co-owners of multiple teams. Like Jen Piacenti awesome. is one of the co-owners. She's been in in absentia, uh, absentee, <laughs> however you say that word, uh, the last couple of years uh, with her being on the West Coast and, and uh, so much stuff going on uh, for her. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, it's a great league, and I'm looking forward to seeing those folks again uh, here in about two and a half months. Yep, as we ramp up and get cranking on draft season. So it'll be a lot of fun. So let's talk Tampa Bay race here. Um, it was a, a fun year again. You know, they made a run again, but obviously didn't get to the finish line. Um, what Before we get into players, what was your overall, I guess, thoughts on 2023? How did it uh, go in a race fan's perspective? So overall thoughts was uh, like so close. Like if you look at everything else, Coming into the season, like if we were recording this time, I, I think you know, we had this podcast last, forgot exactly when, yep. but it's like, okay, this is the best rotation that this team has ever had coming into the season. Uh, and uh, three of them got hurt. Uh, and you come back into this season, and there's only one guy left, Zach Eflin. So last year it was it was going to be Glassdown. It was going to be McClanahan. It was going to be Rasmussen. It was going to be Springs. It was going to be Eflin. Four of those five are gone. Three are 
pretty much unavailable this year. Uh, one's not even on the team, so he's completely unavailable. Uh, and yeah, that's what it's down to. So it's, that's the thing. It's like you had all of this rotation. You had, uh, uh, a, you know, at this point, we're just going to call him a former franchisees player. And this will be the last time we talk about him. Former franchisees player doing awesome in the field, awesome at the plate. Um, and despite the injuries, despite the time uh, that he missed and the, and the other guys missed, they still won 99 games. So it was like it was fun season to watch. And um, oh, my God, Baltimore. It's like they had a yeah. horseshoe up their ass. And I mean, just unbelievable season. Credit to them. Uh, but yeah, I felt like this could have been like a 108 win team if everything had gone right and a lot of stuff didn't go right and they still won 99 games. So you had to enjoy that much uh, as a fan, but, uh, this year won't be so much. Yeah. We always say that though. And somehow the Rays platoon it to death and they find a way to like, it might, it won't be as maybe fun and exciting, but they're going to like sneaky. The more I've looked into them, I'm like, I'm starting to buy in again. Cause when you mentioned the, the starting rotation, when I was doing the outline, I literally copy and pasted last year's and then updated it. And I looked at the starting rotation. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like what could have been on that? Cause even the way spring started out and all those things, it's like, I Ross, it's crazy, but. Yeah, there's. I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic. It's still I would January. say always take the over, whatever the odds are. But every year, it's like easy money. They put out with the Rays. Oh, they're an 87 win team. Just take the over on it. Yep. Every year, you're you're rarely disappointed. And watch this will be the year they're like, oh, they're a 92 win team. Yep. Um, I think they can still challenge 90 wins. But you know, again, last year it was just easy money. Where it's like everybody had them, uh, you know, coming in third and and whatnot. And then the offense finally took that step forward. Uh, that we've all uh, wanted to see it take. Uh, and yeah, but just still take the over, but don't get too greedy. For sure. For sure. Well, let's talk fantasy side of things here and let's, uh, let's talk offense, which that's still for the most part intact for what we saw last year. And we'll start with uh, one of my favorite players in baseball. I seem to draft every single year. And that is one Randy Arozarena, who in the last month or so in, um, in uh, draft champions drafts, he is getting drafted around pick 45, so you're two, three turns in 15-team leagues. Kind of a 2020 guy for the most part every year. So what's your thoughts on Randy another year establishing the bigs? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we continue to have multiple seasons of 2020, uh, and he's just voluming out there. Uh, and the, the best thing I liked about Randy this year was that he wasn't – he wasn't Leroy Jenkins on the base pass. Like mm -hmm. he actually did not run it as many outs. 2022, it's just like he would always go in. For those that don't understand the meme, okay. I think it's an old Warcraft one where everybody's like trying to plan to go into a room and somebody goes, Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, and that's how Randy Rosarena ran the bases pretty much. Uh, the Rays, I believe, led the outs, uh, the league and outs on bases in 2022. And a and Yandy Diaz were <laughs> the two people at the top. Uh, and, you know, completely different skill sets, but they were right there. Uh, so I, I really like the volume that I saw from Rose Arena this year and the discipline. And it was almost like two different seasons from him, too, because going into the All-Star break, he looked as disciplined as I had ever seen him. Uh, and I know we can say that in, and much has been said about the Home Run Derby is not a thing, but maybe the Home Run Derby was a thing for him because about a week going into the Derby and then about three weeks coming out of it, he was ass. I mean, he was terrible mm -hmm. and got back into some of those same bad habits, uh, but then snapped out of it. And was great down the stretch. So, uh, you know, part of that may have come into play for him, but it was definitely a step forward. Uh, I'm curious to see how an offseason of trade rumors, I mean, his name was bantered about uh, multiple times about, hey, maybe they're looking to shop him. I don't know how much of that was just people looking for clicks or just trying to get something going in a quiet hot stove season. Uh, but that was out there. Uh, and that may still linger around during the season if, if this season doesn't play out as well. 
um, as previous seasons have come out. I mean, this has been like a 90 plus one team for multiple years now. Uh, and if they decide to sell, he would probably be right there in front of the line. Yeah, no, I, I was hoping when those rumors began, I'm like, hey, hey Farhan. Hey, Farhan, <laughs> we, we, you know, you that Mitch Hanniger screw up you had, you could fix that real quick. Like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, that would have been fun. So, yeah, I still love him. Uh, his ADP is about the same as last year. So, we're in the same boat there. One player that every time I'm in a draft room, I am very torn on what to do with is Josh Lowe. And the dude, he was awesome. Finally had that first full season 20 homers, 32 steals, hit 292, all great stuff. There were some platoon sessions at times, but in the end, still played 135 games. Uh So what are we thinking? Because his ADP around 80, again, if he plays 140-plus, seems pretty nice. But uh, should we expect him to be more of a regular player? Yeah, and I I think that may come out of the uh, necessity uh, with stuff. There's only so much platooning they can do, and his defense is good, and his ability, his base running ability was what made him such a value last year. Uh, And if you listen to me uh, or read what I wrote, you know, this is one of the things I was beating this drum. I mentioned first pitch Florida last year. It was one of the things uh, that I did, I think, before we had the labor draft. I may have talked about it before the draft. (laughs) This is a guy or maybe the day after. I forget. But, you know, Josh Lowe, he had been something like 96 of his last 98 stolen base attempts. It's like he had shown the ability to run in the new rules in the minor leagues. And so he was somebody that I was targeting everywhere. And I ended up getting him uh, in labor for, I think, uh, $5 on a hammer bit at the end of the draft uh, where somebody had uh, five and I just beat him to five uh, because that's what I was waiting for. Uh, I think uh, Potters or somebody was like, oh, I was thought you would take Jose Siri. And I'm like, go ahead. Uh, Jose Siri had more upside for power. But obviously, we saw how that played out with his batting average and strikeouts and, and everything else. And Jose Siri doesn't run that much. <laughs> he has speed, but he doesn't get on base. Uh, and so that really came out. But yeah, I would see, I could see Josh Lowe getting more volume this year. There's still going to be times where it's tough lefty. Okay, you're sitting and it's going to be somebody else going out there in the outfield. But he's too critical to this offense, uh, to the top, setting that table to, uh, to be platooned in a strict platoon situation. Okay. Just for fun, um, ADP non-existent because uh, Nolan Jones actually went ahead of him. Would you rather go Nolan Jones or Josh Lowe? Man, and you're talking about two guys that were huge in my fantasy success yeah. last year. I had Nolan Jones in a few leagues too because I was all about that guy last year. I still can't believe Cleveland was like, "Oh, we don't want anybody." In Never understood power. that. Ew, gross, yeah. gross. Uh, but you know, to me, I'd still rather have Josh Lowe, and this is team independent. I, I don't get not. That I don't think. Yeah, don't worry about ADP or anything. Just like these it's two just guys. like team independent because Nolan Jones strikes out a bunch, and yep. it's okay when he's producing. But if he starts getting a slump, that really becomes problematic. And that's why Cleveland moved them. They want contact hitters, uh, and they've said they want that type of hitter. Um, that said, you still don't trade them away like that because it's the one skill they really needed on that roster last year. I think you and me hit about two fewer homers in their outfield last year. <laughs> Probably. So yeah, that was an interesting one because uh, that's been a fun topic of once you get past like the top six or seven outfielders and all of a sudden here's Nolan Jones and Mike Trout and company. And it's like, well, let's maybe wait a little longer for like a Josh yeah. Lowe or whatever. I mean, this, goes. I'm trying to remember. I want to go back and look at where the uh, Nolan Jones, where the stuff was. I want to look at uh, look because last year I wrote him up as my Rockies bold prediction. And I wrote this article in the end of February 22nd. And Nolan Jones had an ADP of 480. Oh, he was, yeah. He was the end late, of February. Late, late. Now we're talking, now he's coming in the 70s? Right now, I'll tell you where he is. It's um, ADP of 61. 
amazing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so that to me right there is when a guy goes from that from 480 to 61 in yeah. one season, it's like, oh, let somebody else go ahead and reach. I, I still like Nolan Jones. I would still yeah. gladly take him on my roster, but not at the aggressive market price. 100%. That's why I wanted to bring it up as a discussion point because it's a rich, rich increase, as one would say. <laughs> Yandy Diaz, the guy that always hits the ball on the ground until he doesn't. He elevated the ball last year, at least for the first half of the year, hit 22 home runs and hit 330. The average was a lot of winning teams had Yandy Diaz on them because mm-hmm. he was very, very affordable on draft day. ADP is up to 131 now, which is still not too bad if you want the average and some pop, but – should we believe in the pop, Jason? As I think you and many others know, it kind of started going the wrong direction as the season went on. Yeah, it, it started early, uh, and I may have run a victory lap on that. Mike Petriello may have called me out on that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, but he had 13 home runs early, and he finished, finished with 22. So it was definitely That's a front-loaded bad. season. Uh, but then again, you have problems. Yandi, he's a big trailer. He's a big truck. And it takes a lot of maintenance to keep that thing moving. And every now and then he'll run into some leg issues. And when he does, or he, I think he also got hit on the hand or forearm at one point last year. I forgot exactly. But anytime he has one of those issues, his swing kind of falls apart and he gets back into the ground ball ways. Uh, and so I remember a bit of that right there in the middle of the summer where it was like, yikes. I mean, you got to take some time off. But he didn't. I mean, he had 600 plate appearances last year. Uh, and so like he is the everyday first baseman. I don't know if he can be the, the leadoff guy again, though, but it's where he's projected. But, I mean, with those skills, that on-base skills, he's going to be up there. He's going to be up there somewhere, one, two, or three. Uh, it's, a, it's a non-traditional club. I don't know what else they could do. I'm, like, looking at the roster, like, who else could they put in there? Uh, nope, that makes sense. That's about yeah, right. Uh, so he may be hitting leadoff again. And maybe that's why he's still his ADP is still outside the top 100 because it was – I mean, it was well in the 200s last year because everybody was like, oh, he can't hit for power. Yeah, he hits for average, but he doesn't run. He doesn't drive in runs. And then he did a little bit of everything except steal a base last year. Yeah, the steals, that's eight career stolen bases, folks. Zero last year. That's just not his bag. So don't don't plan on that. But the power, if, it, if he even puts up, let's say, just 18 or so, 15 to 18, but it's three-something, I think we're cool. I think we can live with that because bad average is such a necessity these days. So it yeah. would be quite interesting. And – when you have Isak Paredes on your roster where the power showed up in big ways, Mr. I pull everything, Isak. <laughs> um, 31 homers last year, and all 31 folks, hate to break it to you, the left field, down the line um, for the most part. So what are we thinking with Isak this year? You know, he went from 20 homers to 31 homers, obviously in 30 more games, still a nice bump, but hit 250. That was, I think, the even bigger thing. The average went up compared to, the, to previous years. Are we in? We out on Isak Paredes. Yeah. So, and all 31 were the left field, but – Every one of his career home runs has been there. Every one of them. He did come close at a warning track to center last year. And we were like, oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> he almost did. But all every one of his home runs in his career has been a pull shot. Uh, the one thing that concerns me with, with Paredes is you look at the, uh, the the final. I forgot exactly his RBI. I think he ended up with 98 RBIs uh, last year. They were. I know there's a push for him to get to 100 at the end of the season. But he had a lot of traffic on base in front of him last year and made the most of it. Every year we see, we see players that end up with a lot of, like you can go to uh, baseball reference and pull up one of the, uh, one of the offensive reports and it shows percentage of runners scored. And I think the league average is about 14 and a half percent of, of percentage of runners that score while you're at the plate. Uh, I've, can't remember the exact number, but I want to say Paredes was in the top five of that category last year. 
if not the top three, but I know it was absurdly high. And like we were just talking about with Nolan Jones, anytime somebody makes a jump up that high, you got to bake in a, a, a jump back down. And the same thing with the batting average. When he goes from 205 to 250 uh, like that, you know, that was part of maybe he benefited from not having the reverse shift, but not too many people shifted right-handed hitters anyhow. That said, it was a nice step forward, but I don't believe that we have another step forward coming. I'm expecting actually a little bit of a step back from Paredes, especially the RBI department, because there was just a lot of traffic. Some of that traffic's not on the roster this year, and they're going to have to figure out all the ways to create those runs. And uh, again, he was like top three or five in percentage of runs scored, and that is not a skill that is sticky year over year. Every year it's going to be somebody else up there. That's a great point. That's a really, really good point that uh... – the 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 RBI is being that big, and um, you know, all takes is Randy hitting some more homers, please, and we'll go with that. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm going to shoot for. Um, or this gentleman can, if he could stay healthy. This is always my bugaboo with Brandon Lau. It's oh, just I- like the power is legit, but he's got the back issue, and I have back issues. Like they just don't go away, folks. I hate to break it to you, they don't go away forever. Um, played he didn't play over 100 games this, last year, which was great, 109, but only the second time in his career hit 21 homers. What are we expecting from Brandon Lau this year? ADP 265, so it's not expensive. Yeah, I mean, that's a great – at the ADP, I'm back in. I mean, I was in last year, and it disappointed me. And But at 265, I'll try it again and see, you know, see how that works uh, again because the power is legit. We saw what he can do. I mean, his career high came in 2021 when he hit the 39 home runs when everything was working, and it, we can't blame it on the super happy fun ball of 2019 or anything. It's just that he got his home runs in 2021, and that's not too far in the distant past. Uh, and so – you know, could he do 25 plus again? Sure, but he's got to stay on the field. And he is, even if he stays healthy across the entirety of a full season, there are going to be times where he's sitting on the bench against lefties because he has not really shown an ability uh, to hit my, uh, hit lefties well consistently. Yeah, the platoon is the other aspect, not just the injury, like you mentioned. So will be interesting. It's always kind of kept me off of him, but the power is legit when he does stay healthy. Um, you mentioned Jose Siri earlier. The glove keeps him on the field. Uh, he had some pop last year, but everything else kind of went to the wayside as the season went on. What are our kind of ex- – is he more of a just leave him on the wire type thing, or is there any interest in the Jose Siri? Well, remember, the, the club puts a premium on defense, and Jose Siri plays that. Uh, and so that's – so if he's in a lineup, he's going to be in there, and I could see him hitting, you know, maybe seventh. Uh, I, ideally, he'd be ninth. Uh, he just doesn't get on base, but there's other talent they got to worry about there too. I mean, right now the starting catcher – uh, is probably Rene Pinto, and Rene Pinto doesn't get on base either. Uh, so it could be a, a pretty quiet bottom of the lineup. But that's the thing with Siri. I mean, we saw him hit 25 home runs last year. He can pounce on mistakes. He can look ridiculously bad on a breaking ball like he's never seen one in his life. Uh, and like we said earlier, he doesn't really run, uh, despite the fact that he has speed. And just a reminder, kids, sprint speed is not everything. So Jose Siri is one of the fastest guys in baseball, uh, but he can't steal first. Uh, and that's ultimately what's holding him back. Uh, because you know, again, if this, if this was all about sprint speed, he could probably be second in this team in steals. But when you're getting on base last year, two sixty seven, that's uh, not going to cut it. So uh, end game to me, it's an end game. If if I look at my roster, like I need somebody that might pop me twenty home runs. Okay, uh, if you're thinking I need somebody that might pop me twenty steals, that's not the guy to look at. I mean, I think and the other piece of this is he should be looking over his shoulder at Johnny DeLuca too. Uh, you know, because that's another guy who plays can play all the positions and is a safer play at the plate. Uh, and so if if Siri falls into one of these god-awful slumps like he was uh, towards the back half of last year, 
uh, there's now an option. I mean, the problem was like last year, Manny Margot was struggling defensively um, and he was having his own issues at the plate too. So there really wasn't an option to pull Siri, but if LaDuca, uh, LaDuca, uh, DeLuca uh, comes up uh, and shows that he can do what he's done throughout the minor leagues, then there's a, there's a, a safety net there. So Jose Siri should be peeking over his shoulder a little bit uh, because while the club does value defense and Siri is a very good defender, um, DeLuca is no slouch either. That's perfect, guys. I'll ask you about DeLuca real quick then because Siri has a 282 ADP. DeLuca, 517. He's gone as high as 446 over the last month. I know I've taken him in a few late-round darts because I, I like the upside we saw with DeLuca. Is that a guy that maybe not op- – well, could be opening day with the Rays. You never know. But what are your, kind of your expectations for DeLuca? You said he's looking over Siri's shoulder, but like some people are really all in on him, but you have more of a pulse on how the Rays operate. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – like I said, if, if Siri was a just an average defender, then I would be more aggressive here. But it, it, he is very they were, he's somebody that the club targeted to replace Kiermaier's elite defense. Uh, you know, for me, I look at the best case for Deluca. So we're 2024. Rewind back to 2022 and look where Stephen Kwan was going during that time. Stephen Kwan, I remember taking him in the 38th round of a DC in January. Uh, and that worked out really well. Uh, and, you know, Quan, I'm not saying that DeLuca could be, is Quan, but I'm just saying is that's the type of thing. Quan had no path to playing time at that time we were taking him, but we knew there were some skills there. And if everything worked out right, something could happen. Well, that's what I'm saying about DeLuca is go back and look at the historical ADP on, on, um, NFBC and look where, look where Stephen Quan was going this time of year because that's similar skill set. Uh, although DeLuca can play all three positions in the outfield, whereas Stephen Kwan, last time I checked, is pretty much just a left fielder. Yep, just a left fielder. Uh, let's talk about Luke Rayley. This is a guy that I've seen to have on my roster off and on throughout the entire season last year, and then I look at his stat line. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. 249, 19 homers, 14 steals, played in 118 games, uh, has an ADP of 351. What are the expectations for playing time this year with the Rays? I think the same. First, you said his name wrong. It's it's Nuke. It's Nuke, not Luke. It's Nuke. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna, people are going to get annoyed with me now because I'm going to mention that all my other shows that I do, like my solo shows, it'll be Nuke all it's over the place. Nuke Rayleigh. Uh, in all seriousness, I mean, this was somebody they picked up on the cheap uh, and because he was out of options, uh, and now he's still out of options, but they picked him up on the cheap and he did extremely well uh, for them in the role he was asked to play. He was asked to play some outfield, asked to play some DH, asked to play some first base. Uh, he is the most awkward guy you'll see running the bases. It cracks me up when you watch him. Mean, he, he is a tight end, uh, and he's out there stealing 14 bags. And, we, again, he stole more bases than Jose Siri, who could probably beat Rayleigh running backwards. But, I mean, Rayleigh is uh, – he's more athletic than he looks. It just, it's a gangly thing. But uh, he is like the, the new version of he sought Choi for this team. If you've got a righty pitcher on the mound, he's going to be out there, uh, and he is a better-than-average player against right-handed pitchers. Against lefties, no. Uh, and that's why Harold Ramirez still is still on the roster because of the natural platoon there. Both guys can hit the other hand really well uh, but have defensive limitations. Yep, and I was. That's about as much as we're going to talk about Harold Ramirez on this show, everybody. Just you know, like <laughs> offensively talented against lefties. That's about as far as I think it goes on that one. Um, you mentioned Rene Renel Pinto. I just got to ask it real quick. Like he is the starter. Alex Jackson is on the since they traded Betancourt out out of town for some yeah. reason. Um, is I, I can't even stomach Pinto as a catcher too. Uh, do you have any? Is what kind of league do you need to roster? Pinto? Uh, AL AL only yeah. <laughs> labor. Uh, but no, in all seriousness. Pinto's got some pop to him, uh, but like he's not 
I think back to race catchers. He's not Jose Molina bad, uh, but he's not, you know, he's not like where Travis Darno was when he was with the race. It's like Pinto okay. has his limitations, but he can turn on, he can turn on pitch, turn on mistake. It would not surprise me if he ends up with 12 to 15 home runs. Uh, it also would not surprise me if he ends up hitting 220 and doing that. And that's, you know, you can find catchers doing that everywhere. Uh, with that, I mean, I, I hate to try to extrapolate his numbers from Durham. Durham's an extremely friendly offensive park, especially for right-handed pull hitters. If you've ever been there, I think it's like 310 down the left field line. It, it's built kind of like Fenway uh, into the old tobacco part of downtown Durham uh, with that. So, yeah, he's he'll get you double-digit home runs, but it may come at a cost. All right. I have to ask because I would not be a race preview without asking Junior Caminero. Um, got his cup of coffee, real brief cup of coffee last year. A lot of people think he starts the year with the team. I don't know why he wouldn't if he performs well in spring, but you still have Esoc there. You still have Yandy there. Like, is there a spot for him? His ADP is around 260. Are we bullish and are we foolish, I should say, in drafting him potentially? He may have to be the opening day shortstop. Uh, yeah, that's a good point as well. He may have to be the opening day shortstop. I don't know. I mean, Taylor Walls is not going to be ready for the start no. of the season. Last time, uh, we checked. He was having. He had some uh, off-season surgery. He's not going to be ready to start yeah. the season. Yeah, roster uh, resource panicked and put him there today because I joked yesterday saying I think you can remove somebody from the the. This was before all the the stuff came out yesterday, yeah. and then today it got changed. And I don't think like I'm with you. Taylor Walls was like was the last one. Like, well, that's all we got right now. I mean, they could have thrown Basabe in there. I just that's I don't. Maybe, I maybe Jason Martinez didn't know that Taylor Walls is not going to be ready on opening day. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, Kevin Arrow may need to play shortstop. Uh, you know, you mentioned XFL earlier last year. I actually won the homer pick of the year because I took Cameron Arrow in the first round of the reserve draft. Nice. With the last pick. I had the last pick of the first round, and I took Cameron Arrow. I had Steve Cosolino drafting for me. And I was like, whatever you do, get Cameron Arrow with my first pick. I don't care how early you think it is. Nice. Just take it. Uh, and so I won the homer pick. I was like, I don't care. That worked out well. Uh, so... But he may have to start the season as shortstop. That said, uh, you know, he did come up like he did terrific in the minor leagues, but then he came up and had, you know, I always I always look back at you go back and look at awesome hitters like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez. Go back and look at their first years. I mean, Manny Ramirez, I think, hit a buck ninety-one. Alex Rodriguez was like two oh two, if memory serves me correctly. And then they quickly were able to find some great success after that. Uh, so you can't put too much into that first year appearance, but uh, Cameron Arrow looked mostly overmatched, but there were some times where it's like, man, he's showing some maturity at the plate. Uh, so I hope that he opens the season at shortstop and just, you know, the season's going to be as uh, it is what it is. There's yep. you know, there's been more talk about off the field than on the field between the injuries and and the dumb stuff. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I hope they put him out there. Uh, that said, I'd rather not have to bank on it, you know him being my. Uh, I'm not planning around taking Camonero at 264. Just put it that way. Yeah, I'm with you. It would be cool though if he gained shortstop eligibility with that third base. That would be real nice. But yeah, like every time I look at him in drafts, I'm like, I don't know, man. There's a lot of what ifs at that point right there. Indeed. Um, so real curious. Let's head to the mound, uh, where we kind of joked at the beginning that it was real pretty last year. But like I said, the more I look at this, it's not as pretty, obviously, but it's serviceable. And we'll start with one of your acquisitions last year. One of your, your most expensive signings in Rays history, Zach Eflin, who um, put together an absolute gem of a season, and he's going to need to again as the ace of this staff. But, you know, a 3.62 ERA and 184 innings, what are we expecting from Eflin this year? Because you got to pay about an 85 ADP on him. Didn't have to pay that last year. Uh, nope. I paid $9 uh, in AL labor 
to get Zach Eflin on my roster last year. Uh, and I was thrilled with that because I actually had him valued at like a twelve or thirteen dollar pitcher last year. I liked him. I didn't see what what came. Up. I didn't see hit the final results, but like being that good. But I did like it um, because the obviously the team's got a great track record of of finding some hidden value in a player's approach, especially when they bring him in the organization and, and saying, okay, hey, you do this well, you do this other thing not so well. Stop doing that and do more of this. Um, like Robert Stevenson is a classic example. I mean, they took Robert Stevenson from Pittsburgh, who Pittsburgh was like, okay, you, you're, you're not good. And Robert Stevenson's going to make himself some money when he eventually signs uh, yeah. this winner. Uh, but he went from a DFA guy to a guy that's going to get a nice multi-year contract uh, for his stuff because the club's like, hey, here. And like they did it with Nadia Baldi during his, his uh, after recovering from yeah. second Tommy John, like, hey, you should do more of this and stop doing this other thing. And look what ivaldi has been able to do for him. So yeah. I expect more of the same from Eflin as long as the, the knee holds up. I mean, that was a problem in, in Philadelphia where he had some problem with that knee. Yeah, as, but he didn't have that. But he had one little episode uh, this past season. But as long as he can come out there and he's going to need to do, you know, last year he did 177 innings. He's going to need to do that again uh, because the club's going to have to find some innings. They they went through a lot of arms last year, losing uh, losing the, the trio they did kind of early. Uh, and there wasn't that much to call up. They tried to throw a lot of different things. Again, I'm still amazed they won 99 games. Um, but you know, they, they were able to, they had to make a trade to get Savali. Uh, and Latell came out of nowhere. That always irks Justin because he's like, that guy sucked yeah. for me. Former Giants. <laughs> Former Giants. Yep. Pat Burrell's best friend. Or yeah. not Pat Burrell, um, freaking uh, Capper's best friend. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mentioned Aaron Savali, who they traded for. He came over in August for the team. Now he's going to be the number two. There were some improvements. I know Savali was on with Nick Pollock doing a little breakdown of the game and talking about even the little tweaks the Rays made with him since he got there in August that were kind of noticeable. ADP of around 200. Does a guy like Savali interest you this year? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that Nick Pollock piece because it's a, it's on my to-watch list. Uh, I, I saw that pop up uh, when I was looking at picture lists. I'm like, ooh, and I even told my son about it, my 18-year-old. I'm like, hey, you know, while you're waiting uh, at work, watch this video. My buddy Nick interviewed uh, Aaron Savali from the team and just listen and learn uh, type of situation. So, yeah, at that price, I'm good. I, I never – uh, in the past, I have, I have kind of faded away from Savali because he doesn't have – I don't know if there's any upside. I mean, he is what he is, and if the club can find you know, and keep him out there consistently, then that's good. Uh, but I don't see, like, all of a sudden he's going to be out here with a 25 26% strikeout rate. You know, maybe that's what he had last year. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Like, I'm doing – I don't see him as a strikeout per inning guy uh, myself, but he doesn't need to be. Uh, you know, just needs to go out there and pitch and trust the defense behind him. Uh, honestly, much like Zach Littell did last year. But at the price, I'll take my shot on Savali, uh, especially I'm looking at ADP right now, and I see that Ryan Pepio is actually going to right before him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and and I would say this, when the rumors were like, hey, Glassdown may be going to L.A., I was like, well, if they get Ryan Pepio back, I'll at least be okay with the deal. It's like that's the guy that I wanted to get from the Dodgers because I knew, like, realistically – when you're talking about a guy in the final year of a $25 million contract of a team that is notoriously cheap, uh, they weren't, the, they didn't have the leverage. So they weren't going to go out there that Bobby Miller was never on the table. Yeah, not a chance. He was never on the table. No. Uh, but it's like, okay, take those guys out. And Ryan Pepio was the guy that I was like, okay, here you go. Have fun, have fun with this one. Uh, so that's where I, I want to see how the, how the club, how Kyle Schneider works with them and does again, this is what you do. Well, we want you to do more of that. Uh, and this is what you don't do well and stop doing that. 
Uh, if, if memory serves me correctly, was did Pepe have a big uh, problem early, like with lefty lineups? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, because he got much better as the season went on. They yeah. kind of started adjusting. I remember a couple like stacks. Like, oh, look at this. Yep. <laughs> We're gonna throw all these lefties in against him. Uh, but again, it's it, the, the track record that Kyle Statter has working with the pitchers. I mean, he's uh, you know did what he did with with Blake Snell. Uh, did what he did with Glass now and everybody else. I mean, he's just. Uh, I trust him on these things. Again, if he can turn Zach Patel into a serviceable starter, he can do anything. Would you be more interested in a guy like Ryan Pepio going a few picks before Savali or Aaron Savali? Uh, I would rather take Aaron Savali because he's a known known. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's really what it comes down to. I like Pepio. I like him longer term, but Savali's a known known right now. And I'm looking for it. When I'm going in the drafts, I'm looking for innings. I'm looking for at bats. And yep. I, I need. I wanted. I want somebody that I know I can get 150 innings from. That's Savali. I don't 100%. think that's going to be that's going to be uh, Pepio this year. Yep, I'm with you. I think Pepio is the, the better pitcher, like you're saying, long term. But uh, yeah, I'm on board with you there. You mentioned Zach Lytle, um, really good season out of him. Kind of like you said, came up, got the job done when they needed him to. I remember rostering him from time to time. Not a heavy strikeout guy, more often than not, but he at least give you five innings and, and keep you in ball games. Where are what are your thoughts on him this year? He threw about 90 pitches or innings, give or take, last year for the big club. But his ADP is 387. Like, does that entice you at all? Yeah, at 387, it does. I can take my options, and that's like over the last month. We're talking 387, yeah, yeah, since uh, the seventh, yeah, yeah. I typically do the thing. I mean, at that price, yeah, I'm just trying. I always like to look to say, okay. Where are some guys like just he's going just behind Josiah Gray and Garrett Whitlock. He's going in front of Jack Flaherty, AJ Smith, Shaver, who I, I like quite a bit. And I honestly want to see where Sean Manaya ends up. I mean, 100%. last year he was a little bit back of, as you know, uh, you know, he did some straight starting, did a lot of great work as a bulk guy. He was very good. Like he su- surprised me as the season went on. He was pissed off yes. at the way Kapler used him. Yep. He was and quite not frankly, happy. I would like to see the Rays add Manaya to the to the team. He would fit your mold very well. I would like to see him. Uh, I've always been a fan uh, of of the pitcher, uh, but when I'm looking at that, looking in that range, it, it's kind of tough because I just mentioned how much I like Manaya and, and AJ Smith Shaver's upside this year. Uh, but you know, obviously, uh, the Atlanta acquiring Chris Sale kind of clouds things. Uh, and I've always been a big uh, Josiah Gray fan, but at that price, I like it. It's like I feel mm-hmm. safe looking at that. So these are pitchers just outside of the top 150. It's like, oh, you know what? If I I don't need to target a guy here. I like there's multiple options in that uh, in that glob, Justin, yep. uh, in that glob. There's a you know, there's a multiple guys there that I like. 100 percent. Yeah. So it's an interesting little smorgasbord of pitchers for sure. Not a pitcher we always have to talk about because we saw the really goods and the really bads last year, the bigs and in the minors. And that's when Taj Bradley, who should be back on the rotation, at least to start with the club for now, maybe. But you still have to pay for him at 255. Like he's going around Kenta Maeda and Yusei Kikuchi and pitchers like that. What are we thinking on Taj Bradley? Because like I said, we saw the good, we saw the bad. Yeah, I think this is where like the, the marketplace is getting smarter. Because typically, you know, back in the day, after the season Bradley just had, his ADP would be in the tank. Yeah, you know, he'd be out there free, like hey, go take him. Uh, because you know, when you when you have expectations, and for those of listening, I'm talking with my hands, <laughs> your expectations are high, the outcomes are low then those are the kind of players I'd love to target the next year. But you look at this and as the marketplace is like, well, he maybe he wasn't too bad after all. 
because that's you know he's he's going in a, he's going just in front of Matt Brash. I know it's different uh, a different type of role, but then uh, Kyle Harrison's not that far behind him. Kyle Harrison's one yeah. round behind him, and Harrison was certainly exciting when he came up with San Francisco and and Bradley, as you said, Bubba. There's there was some highs, there was some high strikeout uh, outings, and there were some outings where he just could not find the plate. And he was working too deep in the counts and getting himself into predictable situations. Uh, so I, I'm still a believer uh, in the pitcher, but uh, where he's going right now in the marketplace, uh, I don't see myself targeting him. Uh, like, you know, Kikuchi, I do like uh, Christopher Sanchez. Christian. Um, you know, so there, there are different options uh, around here. I'm just kind of surprised. This is, you know, kudos to the, uh, to the marketplace. You know, yeah, a couple of years ago, this would have been a guy that would have been falling a lot. Yeah, and then we'd all be like, "Yeah, take him." <laughs> it happen. And wondering why he's fallen so far. Yep. I am going to ask you though about Jeffrey Springs and Rasmussen because Springs had his surgery in April, so you'd imagine like a May or June return. His ADP is four ninety seven. I'm talking more DCs now. Obviously, you're not going to do this in a redraft. Rasmussen had the brace done, the brace surgery in July. He had a five seventy eight ADP. We are going to see them at some point. Obviously, there's always concerns coming back from a TJ type surgery right away. But does that like have any appeal for you in any kind of format? I know you you want innings and at bats, so probably not. But uh, would that interest you? Well, it, like in a draft champion, as you said, eventually you need to. Uh, it's like I exactly. played two draft champions this year. I, I won one of them, and I finished in third in the other. And I finished in third in the other because I ran out of arms. Uh, and so, and, it was, and Springs was one of the guys that I had, but I just ran out of arms. So in a draft champion, I'm not as picky uh, in a in a 15 team 30, uh, 30 rounds. I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not wasting a bench spot on that, but then a draft champion, everybody's on board. Uh, and I was just thinking about this. I'm glad you asked this question. Cause I was just thinking about this today. Cause if you you know heard me over the years, I've always been like, I don't even want to look at a guy after TJ until 18 months. Yeah. And then at two years out, I'm good because that means that command is always the last thing that comes back. Yeah. And then command for a lot of pitchers is a fine line to walk anyhow. And so if you're if you're if you you have your velocity you doing your command, you run into problems there. So I want to wait. But with the whole brace procedure, that actually accelerates that timeline. So like I want to change my timeline from 18 to 24 months to something like 15 to 18 months. And so you mentioned Brass Mustin, you know, had his in July. I could see him like possibly doing what Glass now did in 2022, where he came back and pitched him relief in September. Uh you know, maybe August uh, at, at, in a best case scenario, but the brace should accelerate the return. And even Glassnell said Glassnell had a brace in his last one. He said, you know, I felt um, who's the, who did the interview I watched? I listened, read, listened to something. And he was like, man, I just felt like I had more strength in my elbow after getting the braces as his next one. So uh, I want Rasmus and I'll take a shot at him in DC. And I have a DC uh, later this month, uh, but Springs with the traditional, no interest at all. Yeah, that's why I was just wondering because um, we kind of always just forget about these guys that are starting injured. But in a DC, by the time you get to the midseason where they might return, you might already have half your guys injured. So this new guy might be appealing to you. But you mentioned that's why I asked the TJ thing. It's, it's exactly me. I had there was it came down to the point where I was trying to chase strikeouts, and I I think I was still throwing Michael Lorenzen in there just because he was yeah. pitching. He was the last guy, and I was like I. I know he's gonna. I, I thought I would be okay in ratios, and then he had a couple of just meltdowns, and just yeah. I, I went from I was contending for first into the last two weeks of the season. I ended up finishing third. I just I didn't have enough bodies to throw in there, 
And I thought I was good, but I didn't. I drafted, I think, I think I was a 27 hitter, 23 pitcher. And that's how many injuries I had in that DC. Yep. I totally feel you there. Um, let's go to the bullpen and we'll talk Pete Fairbanks. Cause I know you have pounded this drum and I mentioned you every time I talk about him because uh, we did it. On, you mentioned it on this show last year when we did this and it, and you, it stuck true is we always say the Rays are, you know, a lot of saves, but then you mentioned Pete Fairbanks when healthy is the dude. So he's healthy right now and ADP of 102. He's going after like Brian Helsley. He's in that world. How are we feeling about Fairbanks this season? This will be the year he gets the 50 innings, right? Uh, that's the thing. <laughs> when, when he pitches, he's awesome. Uh, but that's that's been the problem. I mean, last year he got well, he got a black eye from the kid dumped on him and the goal hit yep. him in the face. But yeah, that's been it's just when he pitches, he's great. Uh, and but I, the bullpen as a whole, I mean, Fairbanks, I love. I'll take Fairbanks again. Uh, he's not going to come at the discount he was coming at last year, even though I was pushing. You know, Jeff Erickson was saying, I think Colette just pushes ADP up like three <laughs> rounds this winter. And maybe I did, but when it got to draft day, I yeah, I paid anywhere from XFL, I paid uh, $3 to get Fairbanks in November. And then at Talent, which was the last expert of the whole, I paid 14 So it's like, that's what his price had escalated up through that. And that was just me, you know, I, I wouldn't have said 15 Let's put it that I, I wouldn't have said 16 If somebody would have said 15 I would have been like, go. Uh, but you know, it was, it was a price I projected in there. And at the end of the year, I think he finishes a $13 pitcher in AL. So it wasn't a bad price. Uh, but like as a whole, I don't know what to do with the bullpen this year because like Fairbanks, I'm fine with Jason Adam looked a little more human last year. I mean, Jason Adam was unbelievable in 2022, but he had some outings where he just couldn't find the plate last year. Um, Colin Poche was like 12 wins. <laughs> And do we pitch 60 innings? He had 12 wins in six Six innings. innings. Like I mentioned Matt Brash earlier. That's another guy. Brash had nine wins and four saves in 75 innings last year. Um, And Poche, I mean, uh, this is not a year-to-year stickiness. You can't project this guy to get even. He probably went four games this year. Because I went back and looked at it. I'm like, all right, find me guys. When I was looking at Brash, find me guys that have won, that have had consecutive seasons of eight-plus wins, 70-plus innings, and just that. And I found like David Robertson. Uh, and it's like a couple of names. I'm like, huh? And then like Felix Rodriguez way back when there wasn't a lot. Then I'm like, okay, you know, add the hundred strikeouts. It just became tougher. So it's like, that's why I like Poche. 12 wins was awesome. The news now is go find the next Poche. Yeah. Don't go chase that. Don't go chase last year's Poche. Cause that guy's not going to be there. Who's going to be Poche this year. Uh, because I mean, Poche, one of the things that made him good last year was he got away from that fastball, 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 fastball. I mean, prior to his Tommy John, his riding fastball was just tough to hit. I remember going to a minor league game and watching everybody just foul it off late. And I'm like, looking at the radar gun, it's like, it's 93, 94. And everybody's swinging like it's 104. Uh, But then he got really into the slider last year. And that really helped him uh, to that case. But I want to know who's going to be the next Poche because there's no way that's happening again. It's just statistically improbable. Uh, for that to happen. But the bullpen, I mean, I, I love that Robert Stevenson is that's a huge loss. I don't know what Big they're gonna loss. do to uh fill that in because they haven't they haven't done anything other than okay, we'll bring Chris Davinsky back for low leverage. We should have a healthier Andrew Kittredge this year. But you know, I guess they're waiting for the bargains to fall as they typically do. I mean they added Tyler Alexander as well. So maybe Tyler Alexander will be this year's poche. Yeah, could be. Yeah, because yeah, losing, losing some, yeah, you got to fill those holes, as you mentioned, and they've always had quite a good bullpen to help with the uh, 
pitching situations because they do a lot of that five innings and get in and get out or opener situations and that's where those guys come in handy but we'll see well, I, got, I will I never, say i don't doubt the race let's put it that way i will say a name if as we're thinking about and this may you know be down but as we're, as we're thinking about the bullpen don't forget about the name colby white uh colby white before he went down colby white had a chance of making the roster out of camp in 2022 came down with tommy john you know, had to have tommy john surgery uh and so he's pitched a few since but he's now like basically two full years recovered from everything uh so don't forget the name colby white go look at his stats he had some ridiculous numbers all throughout the minors um and in college uh but i i expect him to take a step up out of the bullpen whereas he has not even pitched he has not pitched in the major league level but um he's currently i'm looking at the fan grass depth chart they have him ranked 10th 10th prospect and that kind of says something to be ranked 10th as a relieving prospect yeah you know? but don't forget the name colby white what other uh potential prospects we mentioned caminero already is there anybody else we should maybe be looking forward to this year if like maybe not to draft but we might see at some point in time um i like mason montgomery quite a bit uh i want to see where where uh his future is he's pitched really well so Mason Montgomery was one of the names I'd like to see play out, play out. And the other guy was uh, Austin Shenton. Uh, you know, he is all bat. I don't know, you know the, the bat, he can hit, and he's hit wherever he's been. And so defensively, maybe they find a spot for him. But that's where the two things – and before I forget, the other name we did kind of forgot to include in the pitching as we were talking with Shane Boz. Oh, you know, yes. we, didn't, we didn't mention him, and I was kind of curious to see – because I, I'm probably on the low end – I'm so uh, he's like off my list right now. That's probably why I forgot to put him on there. I don't know what to do with him though. So this well, is he's good. at 186. Like he's yeah. going in front of Pepe. And to me, I don't be rich. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, he's had he had the surgery. I'm trying to remember when his surgery date was. Um, I got it right. No, he's not even on the I, the team's IL anymore. <laughs> That's usually where I get my info from. He's not even there. I want to say it was August. August of 20. Uh, August of 22. Yeah, it's gone. Oh, no, it's late September, late September of 22. Uh, so, and to me, it's like even before then, and I, I was talking with, I may have been talking with Rob or uh, maybe Craig. I was trying to remember who I was talking with. But, like, you look at his career, like, it's kind of funny. How many innings, before you look at his stats, how many innings do you think Shane Boz has thrown in the major leagues? 15 to 20, not very many. 40.1. Okay, but it feels like he's been on the periphery of our drafts for like yep. four years, right? 40.1 yep. innings. But yep. even if you go back to his minor leagues, his career best is 81 and a third. He's like, how do you how do you take a guy uh where he is? Like I I can't I can't think like somebody asked me over and under 100 innings on Boz. I'm like under yep. under. I can't see a guy going a hundred hundred plus. Uh, out there uh, type of situation. This is the guy who's saying that Tyler Glassow is going to win the Cy Young this year and throw 160 innings. It's okay. But, I, had that I had that argument with Bloomfield the other night on our show. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. I said, somebody's too injury prone. And I'm like, but Tyler Glassow, he's a top eight pitcher for me this year. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I, I don't, I don't understand this. Like you had mentioned Savali or I can take, I can get Savali two rounds later than Shane Boz. And mm -hmm. I will do that 150 days a week. Yeah, this this the boss thing. I, I'm I'm glad you said I, that's why I totally I think I just crossed him out of my mind. Is you know, the dude's never proven he can throw innings and you have to pay such a premium for him. It's just 
crazy to me. It's not denying that he's talented. He's probably very talented, but he can't. We don't get to see it because it's not there. Right. It's never out there. So it, it, it's very, very tricky. Yeah, at some point, I wonder if they have the conversation of making a reliever because that was part of the thing when he came over from Pittsburgh. That was yep. in the the realm of discussion, like live arm, but don't know if he could stay durable. Maybe his path, maybe his path forwards in the bullpen. I don't know. I don't like sending guys down that sentence, but that said, there's not a chance I'm taking Boz at his current market price. Yeah, look what the A's are doing with Mason Miller. Like some of these guys you just gotta they do with the AJ Puck, and you know, certain guys just can't stay out there. So yeah. We'll see. We'll wrap it up there. Do you have any final thoughts on the Rays? Are you, what are your what are your hopes for 2024 besides, you know, the, you know, the a postseason, uh division? What are we thinking? My hopes is to play competitive baseball in September. That's always my hope. 90 wins is always great, but playing I don't I don't want to get to Labor Day and be like season's over. Yeah. Uh, it's like I have tough it's tough enough for me to make the transition to NFL football just to watch it. Yeah. Uh I love college football, but I want to get in September and be like no, I'm not watching football. I got a baseball game to watch. That's really my goal. I would like to see, you know, again what Caminero can do and who's going to be like the next guy to take that step forward. Last year it was nice to see the offense finally do well. It's like forever. It's like, oh, they never score. They never score. And then if it wasn't for the Rangers doing what they did, you know, at one point, the Rangers and Rays were neck and neck in offense, yeah. uh, despite the the difference in payroll, the difference in talent. It's like it was nice to see Yandy take that step forward. It was nice to see Josh Lowe take that step forward. And Isak Paredes do that. But it's like now it's like who who's going to be those guys this year? Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious to, to see you know what Taj Bradley does to take a step forward. And uh, what else may materialize out of the minor leagues? Uh, you know, Jonathan Ronda, he, is, yeah. is, he, uh, is he Luis Araya's light? I mean, he can hit. He's, a thrown, he's shown it all over the minors that he can hit. He just can't play defense. And when you're an organization that values defense, that makes it tough. And I want to see Curtis Mead uh, yeah. do better. Uh, I mean, he did not do well as a major leaguer. Uh, he's hit all over the place as a minor leaguer. Uh, so Caminero, Mead, and Shenton are the next wave uh, of fantasy potential uh at the offense and maybe maybe i'm not willing to give up on on ronda just yet but i think the other issue with i just i want to mention ronda real quick because if you're like oh maybe he is Raya's light um he is also utility only on draft day just as a reminder Uh, so you don't need to use that draft pick unless you're in a draft champion but he played 12 games at dh 11 at first four second and three at second at third base or two at third base so he is dh only on draft day um so I may toss him out at like in labor. Labor's got traditional rosters. I may say Ronda one dollar and see if somebody says two. I don't know. I, last year I did that. Last year I kept tossing out guys that were UT only. I was just like, let let me do that and let's see what happens. Um, but like in talent this year, they changed the rules kind of crazy. We've got like two swing positions now. And yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah, that email. I was like, what's that. going on? Like, I was like, wow, that 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 makes things a little different. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how we'll see how all that goes. So somebody could draft eleven pitchers if they wanted to. Yeah, they changed early. They changed my league. It's going to be a much different season out there. I like it. I mean, it's it's a la- it's kind of a hundred percent league, and you know other other leagues can look at it and be like, man, this five on five stuff is boring. Let me change it. Ooh, look at this. Uh, yep. I play in a local AL league that Rob and I are in. Uh, Rob McCabe and I are in, and there are people every time we propose a rule. NFRC, no effing rule changes. And that's how they vote every year. It's like we could vote for anything here. First prize gets $5,000. Oh, no, no rule changes. Uh, so it's, they will not change anything. I would love to see us make some changes, but uh, I'm with you. I, 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 we're not talking fantasy football, but I have a long time locally here at Buddies Forever. They'll never change. I, every year I try to change things. They, they, they won't you budge. Guys 
they like kickers. They I say, let's do two quarterbacks. Like they won't do two quarterbacks. Like I'm like, come on, guys. Let's get I ordered the draft thing from FJ Fantasy Sports this year for football because uh, we had our local football draft and I literally took the kicker stickers and threw them away. Like, <laughs> I wish. I wish because I, I texted my buddy some not say so nice words for a podcast when uh, the last week of the season he had McPherson put up 24 points against me. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is why we shouldn't have kickers. <laughs> this is why we like this is I lost by like 16 points. I'm like this is ridiculous. <laughs> So, yes, I, I feel you there. But all right, Jason, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for joining me as always. Uh, remind everybody where they can find you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, so you can find me pretty much everywhere but uh, Twitter. I don't do Twitter anymore. I'm on Threads. Uh, I am on, uh, again, Sleeper in the Bus podcast. Uh, I've been kind of dormant on, on Sundays, but we're getting ready to start that back up. So I should be on maybe even this weekend uh, with that. And then I'm also, if you are interested in looking at Blue Sky, I've got some codes. I can give you some codes. Reach out to me. Uh, email is just jason.colette at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to reach out uh, with me because I do miss interacting with people on Twitter. I just d- didn't enjoy the environment anymore. So I'm kind of expanding out to other places, if you will. Yep, understandable. No worries at all. Don't forget to check out his clutch calls too. Just check that out. Like you didn't make. Oh yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Don't that's that. that. So I did, I did start the bold prediction series. So I put the yep. AL, the NL West ones out yep. last week, and that's where I have class now. Last on the cover, folks. Yeah, and I have. Uh, it should be going out any moment. Maybe even uh, by the time you get this, uh, the AL ones. And I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think I said yeah. I put. Uh, oh, they are out. They just got posted. I see that. So I can tell you real quick. Uh, I have Joe Adele, I have Chase Silseth, Alex Bregman, Framber Valdez, Miguel Andujar, Lu- nice. Lucas Urseg, um, Mitch Garber, Matt Brash, Leota Tavares, and Jose Leclerc are the 10 players I cover in those bold predictions. Looking forward to reading that one since it just came out. That'll be fun. But yeah, everybody, check out Jason's work. He's been doing this for a long time. You know him way more, way before you knew me. So go check all that out. And if you watch the video, check out the sweet hat he's got because that was the first thing I noticed when he logged in. It's pretty darn awesome. But (laughs) yeah, it's amazing. Thanks for joining me as always, Jason. It was a pleasure. Thanks, man. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 625, your 2024 Tampa Bay Rays preview. Catch you all next time.